Hey, caffeinators. Welcome to the Vet Tech Cafe. The Vet Tech Cafe is a podcast centered around veterinary technicians and nurses, hosted by myself, Dave Cowan, and my good friend, Jeff Backus. We strive to discuss current issues facing our profession and give our colleagues a voice and a medium to enter into these discussions. Our guests are experts in the veterinary field that we hope can help our listeners work towards dealing with these issues, as well as coming up with solutions that can lead to change. If you have a question, comment, or would like to be a guest on the Vet Tech Cafe, please contact us at vettechcafe at gmail.com, or you can find us at our website, vettechcafe.com. One thing we would ask of you, our listeners, is to rate and review us on whatever podcast platform you're listening to. We're not exactly sure how or why this helps us, but apparently it does. So without further ado, come on in, grab yourself a cup of coffee, and get ready for another episode of the Vet Tech Cafe. Hey, caffeinators. Welcome back to another episode of the Vet Tech Cafe, where we're not a cat cafe, but we're not a dog cafe either. We're all of the above. Um, we'd like to thank all of our caffeinators for your continued support by repping our merchandise. Um, if you haven't seen, Dave's been doing T-shirt Tuesday posts and designing all kinds of cool T-shirts and swag. If you have any ideas, just shoot them to us. Um, but uh, thank you so much for your support there. And to our Patreons, um, we really couldn't do this without you. So we really, really appreciate that. If you're new to the Vet Tech Cafe, if this is your first time here, um, you can head over to vettechcafe.com for all of the info about Dave and I and why we do this, who we are, um, find all of our channels and past episodes there. But generally speaking, you can download our episodes on your favorite podcast platform. We're on pretty much all of them to our knowledge. Um, so if you have any questions, that's a good place to start. Dave, how's it going out there? Uh, it is good. It's it, it's uh, earlier than we normally do. It's super early for you. Um, <laughs> yeah, we opened up the West Coast office a little <laughs> early this morning. <laughs> uh, but th- things are going good here. I'm, I'm finally getting, like, today's the day that I'm going to get back. And I, t- I took the week after IVEX to kind of relax and uh, regroup, uh, kind of recharge my social battery, which, which was at an all time low. Mm-hmm. Cause man, that IVEX is a, is a, is, yeah. is quite a social event. I love it, but yes. man, it's draining. Yeah, it um, sure is. But back, back in the swing of things, um, because of IVEX, I did not get to watch a lot of football last week. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I saw part of the Cowboys giants blowout and, <laughs> uh, I got to see see the Monday night game, but other than that, I really didn't see any football. And and yesterday was poor Robin. She she came home and she's like, "So we're watching football all day." I'm like, "Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah." yeah. <laughs> um, but I got that out of my system, so we're we're good to go. How how are things going out there? Uh, we're good. We're good. Um, you know, I I came home with uh from Colorado with COVID. Yeah. Uh, a lot of a lot of people uh, did. A lot of I'm seeing a lot of people did. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I thought been I had, getting but over I didn't. that. Yeah, um, they they put me on that um, the Paxlovid, and other than the incredibly terrible taste in your mouth for days and days and days, I think it actually did a world of good. I, I felt tremendously better within like thirty. You sound a lot better starting it. So, um, but yeah, so that was good. And um, yeah, I thought you know usually um, I'm usually up around six by six thirty at the latest with Daphne. Just that's usually about the time she gets up, but. Of course, today is the one day she's going to sleep in a little bit and she's not <laughs> awake. So I wasn't either, but here we are. It's all good. So, all good. Um, but, but, uh, but we're really excited for another episode today. Yeah. Um, we have Dr. Tia Gregorio coming by the Vet Tech Cafe, but might not be the kind of doctor you, you think. We're going to talk all about that. Yeah. But she is a CVT, uh, certified veterinary technician with a history in emergency medicine. GP and specialty services. She received her bachelor's of science in veterinary technology from an AVMA accredited school before completing an MBA early on in her career. Um, she, with that non-traditional route, she chose to pursue a doctorate in business um, that's allowed her to grow her management skills while continuing to develop a robust understanding of today's veterinary practice. She is the current practice manager of two urgent care facilities and has spent her last three years in multi-unit management. Joining medicine with strategy has helped drive her passion to grow successful and empowered teams, and her goal is to continue developing veterinary teams to function at the top of their abilities. So, uh, Tia, thank you so much for taking some time out um, to, to come talk to us today. What can we get you for a cup of coffee or caffeinated beverage of choice? Yeah. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. I am a oat milk latte girl through and through. Mm. All right. Done and done. Yeah, we so, can do that. 
Tia, if you don't mind, take us through your career path. Um, I kind of mentioned a couple things in your bio, but um, you know, what got you started in vet med? What got you into it? Some major stops along the way, and and what you're doing now, and we'll go from there. Yeah, definitely. So, um, I was always that kid who knew they wanted to work with animals. Right away after high school, I went to a four-year veterinary technology program and just fell right in love with the industry. Um, So I graduated on a Friday night and the following Monday morning started my first job in a specialty hospital. (laughs) So just kind of jumped right in. Um, So I started as an ophthalmology tech um, and it advanced really quickly from there. So right after being in ophthalmology, I quickly joined their emergency department. Um, And as I went on in ER, I noticed just like a severe lack of leadership that I had in my own career development. I was constantly looking to improve and applying to supervisor roles within my hospital. And I was just being turned down without any explanation or having leaders set goals for me to achieve that would essentially like put me on the path to where I wanted to be. Um, So I was never great at school until I found my love for veterinary medicine. I even finished my vet tech degree with like a 3.2 GPA. um, So I never really considered going back to school and, and going for a doctorate, but the determination to make the field better and support my coworkers made me want to pursue further education. Um, so I actually went for my MBA only two years after completing my bachelor's and then my DBA, which is my doctorate in business, one year after completing the MBA. Um, so once that fire was lit, I knew I could inspire other uh, veterinary team members to stay in the field and, adv- and advocate for their futures. So it became easier to keep going. I don't think I would have pursued the development on my own without um, being turned down and ignored so many times. Gotcha. And you you mentioned in there, you know, you kind of saw right away the the lack of supervision, oversight, you know, those those sorts of things. And so, so it sounds like you were pretty drawn to that right away because I think a lot of people in this field they they kind of become supervisors or leaders or managers by default. Like they just, it's just usually like the most senior person in the hospital because they just seem to know the most about operations or, or what have you. Not even necessarily that they maybe even really want those roles. They just kind of end up in them. But it sounds like for you, you th- that's kind of where you, you saw a need there um, and you kind of gravitated that direction, correct? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in my first four years of being a CBT, I just saw so many veterinarians and technicians leave the field to pursue something else because they weren't getting what they wanted out of vet med. And like you said, it was like these leaders were being promoted into roles who were just kind of thrown into it. And it was really heartbreaking. So, you know, I just I I didn't want to consider leaving the field. Um, You know, it really pulls on my on my heartstrings. So I wanted to keep going. And I knew that if I pursued leadership and management, I was hoping that I would be able to encourage others to also pursue management in the hospitals. Gotcha. And and that's not that's not the typical way things. This is very <laughs> like those of you that are listening. This is not how things normally happen. Normally, we we get into that job and we see the problems and we just bitch about it and and, and, and then and we say, leave that job and, and go somewhere leave, else exactly and, so <laughs> it's amazing that you saw that and had the foresight to say well maybe if i did x y and z i could make some changes that yeah that to me is like mind-blowing that because every job i've been in we we've seen this over and over and over again where people see the the problems with management see the problems with lack of leadership and all that stuff and we just complain about it and don't actually do anything about it. Yeah. That's amazing that you took the foresight to not just say there needs to be leadership and I want to do it. But you said, I, there needs to be leadership. I want to do it. And I'm going to go back to school and, and get that yeah. training. Cause I mean, most of the time, like, like Jeff said, it's the most senior clinician or the senior technician on, on the staff that knows how the hospital runs, not necessarily how to run a hospital, which I think is the important thing is, is that, Yes, we may know how to run our hospital, but we don't know how to run hospitals, which goes back to the the thing that I always say. We are we are trained for many, many things, but leadership is not one of them. Absolutely. Yeah, I totally agree. I wrote about that in my dissertation and just even in my own vet tech degree, like we are not trained on business at all. Like no. we had a single course, I think, on like hospital management and what that means, but like 
no information on leadership or what it means to, you know, look yeah. at your KPIs and all of that. So it was really hard. Yeah. Well, and, and also and, that, that one business course that, that, that is taught is like a, a level 100 course. It happens like super early on where you know nothing. And then by the time you graduate, all that stuff is in the past. It's, yeah. it's not something that is, yeah. is fostered and, and, and um, nurtured really. It's, it's like, it's, I hate to say yeah. it, but it's checking off a box. Right. Yeah. yeah. And it's the same for veterinarians and their education. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, they, they don't get it any better. And, and, you know, it, maybe not, not so much now with, with corporate, um, you know, with all of the, the entities we have there, but Dave, when you and I started and, and, um, you know, it, it, hospital ownership was, was sole proprietors. It was, yeah. it was yeah. a single veterinarian or a couple veterinarians. Like they didn't have any, frankly, mm-hmm. business sense either. So it, it's sometimes it's a wonder we've yeah. gotten as far as we have, but <laughs> it's also like, no wonder we, we are where we are is be, because of, of part of that. So, yeah. Yeah. Right. So let Tia, let's talk about the, the profession itself. Let's talk about the veterinary technician profession. You know, um, I've, I've forgotten how long you've been in the field because um, <laughs> we <laughs> were catching up a week later. Um, yeah. But as you've gone through your, your career path, how do you see the the profession itself? Like, what are the things that we need to fix? Um, obviously, leadership is one of the things we need to fix. But w- what do you see as one of our some of our biggest problems in this field? Yeah, for sure. So I, I graduated with my degree in 2014. So it's been okay. just okay. under 10 years now in the industry. Yeah. Um, so right now it is, it's kind of an exciting time, but it's also like super nerve wracking for veterinary technicians. Mm-hmm. I feel like we're finally getting some very small, but some recognition for the work that we do every day. Um, we have a long way to go in my opinion, but until we're paid and respected in the way that we deserve, um, we still have a long way to go, but we are making strides. Um, I'm also noticing this push towards certification and becoming licensed professionals. Well, we still have so many capable and qualified veterinary team members who are on the job trained. I think it can be challenging to really push for the certification of technicians. I mean, I'm an AVMA accredited graduate, so I understand the desire to push for certification, but there does still need to be standards in place so we're not discounting the hard workers who never went to school. Some of the best technicians I know learned right on the job. So it's a weird time for the profession, but I'm happy to see some changes being made. We definitely deserve to be treated like healthcare professionals. Yeah. And, and not just the, I mean, the on-the-job trained people, I'm, I'm an on-the-job on trained, but I actually went and got through my, my certification. But I, I, I think a lot of times when we talk about this, getting certified and getting licensed and all that stuff, we, we're almost... I don't want to say we're pushing down the assistants because the assistants are extremely important for this profession. Like we would not be here without, without, without assistance. Um, like it, it's such a team effort and um, you make a good point about, yes, we need to value the people that are, that are on, on the job trained, um, but also pushing for that certification so we can kind of grow the profession and advance the profession. You know, we, Dave, you've been asking that question of our guests about as long as we've been doing the podcast. And and I remember, you know, it was four ish years ago, whatever it was in the beginning, it was a lot of like, we are in a crossroads, like the profession is at a breaking point. Like that was like a very, been there for four years. (laughs) Yeah. It was a been a common answer, but now I'm hearing more and more with each guest, like it's an exciting time. We're like on the verge Mm -hmm. of these really great things happening. It's, it's kind of cool to, to see maybe a little bit of a shift in, in thinking or outlook, I guess, maybe of the profession, um, kind of, kind of neat. Um, Tia, so you're, you know, as, as far as like how our, a lot of our previous guests, you're unique in that you, you went back and got your BS and then your doctorate. So I know like the leadership was part of that, but like there, there aren't a lot of, BS options or that, that sounds kind of weird. There are not, there are not a lot of a bachelor's degree options for, um, for veterinary technicians, let alone doctorates. So take us through that process. Okay. You decide you want to, you, you, you realize the need, you realize, okay, this is actually what I want to do. Now I got to find it. And so like options, how, how did you find where you were going to do these, um, these programs and like, 
What does that process look like? Because it's a pretty unique path to to go from a B, you know, getting a bachelor's in vet as a veterinary technician, all the way to a master's. Yeah, for sure. So I and and starting out, I I truly thought I was going to be looking at pre veterinary programs and going for veterinary medicine. Um, so my mom actually took me around to a ton of college fairs right out of high school, mm. and we would kind of look around and see what was out there, and that's where I found. Um, the veterinary technology programs, and many of those were the associate programs. Uh, but I did find a handful through, um, like our University of Massachusetts now owns the college that I went to, mm. uh, but they were one of, I want to say, two or three in the country at the time that offered the bachelors. Um, and I knew for sure down the line that, you know, I, I loved being in school. I, I didn't necessarily find the right path right away, but I did want to continue at some point. Um, So just knowing that, I I really wanted to pursue a bachelor's. Um, And so my options really were limited. I I do agree there's there hasn't been many um, bachelor programs out there, but really just going to all of those college fairs and kind of going through what those options looked like gave me a really clear path on, okay, I, I need to get a bachelor's if I want to continue. And I wasn't necessarily certain that I wasn't going to go towards a veterinarian in the future. So I was like, I might as well get this bachelor's in vet tech. I'll have these four years of education and then can decide later on if, you know, veterinarian is the right path for me. Gotcha. And was there like while you're doing your your doctorate in business, I mean, obviously it's a it's a business degree, but um, were you able to kind of. I guess, extrapolate a lot of things from the programs that you could kind of take to veterinary technology or did you learn or, or, or I guess really more um, the, the business administration of a, of an actual veterinary hospital or were, were there like parts of the program that were like veterinary specific? Yeah, absolutely. So my master's program was a little bit better for that. Um, it was an actual healthcare administration um, degree for my master's. So it was geared more towards healthcare in general. So there was a lot of really great information about just like working in hospitals and running hospitals as a whole um, that gave me a lot of really great insight. Um, the doctorate, however, was a little bit less um, healthcare focused. However, the way that the program was set up, they really gave us the tools to respond for our own industry. Um, So, I mean, I was in there with people who work at Ford and people who work in insurance or, um, you know, just really different facets of of industries out there. And we were all able to take the information that we were learning and apply it to our own industries and then respond with, um, you know, how that would impact us in our day-to-day careers. And then I was also able to focus my dissertation and my research for finishing my doctorate degree completely on veterinary medicine. And it was great because I was able to, um, you know, give that information to my teachers as well, who had no idea what our industry was going through or what it looked like. So they were able to see, you know, the the process and, and what it looked like for veterinarians going through these these tough business decisions that we have to do every day. Tia, as a, as a side note, um, something that I just thought of, how how do you manage your titles? You are a doctor, <laughs> but you're in, in in the role that you you are working on the floor. You're a CVT. How like that happened? It happens to Jeff and I as as guys. We show up and they assume we're the doctors. Um, that's just how it is. Um, and we have to explain. No, I'm I'm the technician. I'm I'm not the doctor. How do you manage, how, how do you navigate <laughs> that? Like saying, I'm a doctor, yes, but I'm not a veterinarian. How, how does that work? Yeah, absolutely. So I tend, I mean, when I'm on the floor or when I'm with my team members, like I am CBT Tia and that's kind of where that lays. I tend not to rely on my doctor title unless I am, um, you know, working with business professionals or my, like my corporate team um, all refer to me as Dr. Tia Gregorio. Uh, but when I'm on the floor, I'm I'm just CVT. Honestly, my whole staff calls me Auntie Tia. So like they just, <laughs> it, doctor is not even in their minds, I think, when we're on the floor. Yeah, yeah. It, it, I, I can see how that would like lead yeah. to a lot of uh, confusion, I, I, yeah. I guess, for lack yeah. of a better term. Yeah. 
Um, so let's talk about your dissertation on medical leadership in the veterinary industry. What did, what did your research find and how have you used that um, to uh, make the changes that you that you saw were needed uh, very early on in your career? Yeah, for sure. This was my favorite project throughout my entire schooling process. Um, doing the research on veterinary leadership was absolutely the most beneficial to my career and its growth. I really discovered the disconnect between corporate teams or leadership and the frontline employee. DVMs are not taught business courses or leadership throughout veterinary school, and then they're expected to come out and produce numbers and work as a retail-type approach, um, especially with all of the corporate mergers happening in the field. It can create tension and a divide with the teams, so I really got involved in the process to be able to bridge the gap in my own hospitals. Um, so what I did was I ended up performing 30 surveys with veterinarians and technicians, and they all had such great feedback for me on how they felt best appreciated and what makes them feel empowered to do their jobs every day. It made me feel really great to finally have some evidence that, um, you know, what I was feeling on the floor was more widespread than just a personal issue. So using that feedback I received from the surveys, I was able to come up with different strategies just to help push the needs of my employees of the front line um, of operations and then merge the two. Um, so this way they feel supported and can truly perform at the rate that they are comfortable performing. Uh, we use these strategies and it actually ended up bringing our hospitals from number 999 out of just over 1,100 hospitals to number 11 in just 10 months. Wow. that That's quite a jump. Yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> wow. It was really intense. <laughs> So you mentioned, you know, the the surveys and the the feedback and and what have you. When you first started talking about the research, I was my mind was going like, where do you even go to get this research? Because I I can't imagine there's very much, if any, literature about veterinary leadership. I mean, I know you know last couple of years, Amy Newfield's come out with a couple of books on on management, but beyond that, like. How, where where did you, it, was it truly like based on just, uh, just your surveys and, and results and like that largely guided what you, what you did for your dissertation or, or, or were there other things that you found that kind of backed up what your research said or, or that maybe even went a completely different direction or, or was it largely from all of that? So luckily, I mean, it did, it took, I mean, hours, weeks of research to find a lot of the articles that I was able to use, but um, I was really pulling more about, you know, veterinarians and their education and then pulling my own experiences to help guide that information. Um, so it wasn't necessarily all just related towards leadership and management in our field. I was able to take, you know, some information from human healthcare. I was able to take some information um, the AVMA put out some great articles and there were some things, um, you know, discussing corporate merging and all of that. And so I was able to take my experiences with the, the literature that was already out there and just really expose what was going on and then to use the actual veterinarians and technicians who were on the floor of these corporate mergers and just get their information out there as well. Gotcha. Gotcha. You, you mentioned corporate merging and that's uh, kind of where we're going to spend a good portion of the, the, um, the rest of the episode. So I'll, I'll ask about that before we go into break here. So, you know, thinking about corporate merging, um, you know, Dave and I started in the mid nineties when, um, VCA was around, um, but it was like, if VCA bought a hospital, it was always very, taboo like in in our community it was like oh no vca bought a hospital and <laughs> and now i mean it's 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 the norm there's blue pearl there's uh veg there's there's so many of them out there but for the employees like when you're working in a hospital that's maybe been a sole proprietor and you've been working with that same veterinarian and the regardless of what the management structure is like when when that hospital is purchased to what the structure is like after it's been purchased and, and it's now whatever corporate entity it's going to be, it's a lot to go through 
for the staff. Um, it's a lot of change. Um, maybe where it was previously not at all by the book, or it was just kind of, you know, who knows? And now it's, it's more structured or it's just, it's, it's, it's a lot. I've never been through it personally, but, but many people I know have, and, and my wife is an ER veterinarian and, and they were purchased about a year ago by Thrive. And she's kind of been now thrust into this medical director role and there's all these different layers of things. And, and, and it's, 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 it's a lot. So for the employee that's, I guess, kind of on the receiving end of that, like, where, where do we start with that? Like, what can you tell us that, that would be helpful for, for a frontline employee that's, that's going to be going through that process? Because so many of our colleagues either have, have already are going through it now or are going to be going through it in the near future. I, I did see this a lot in um, one of the, the corporate merging teams that I was on. I was on the acquisition team for one of the bigger mergers about a couple of years ago. And so I saw it a lot and we would go in and the teams would be really frustrated. There wasn't a lot of information shared with them. Um, so I would always start off my spiel with trust your instinct. You guys have been working in this field for, you know, however long, you know, it feels right to you, you know, when your culture is going to change. Um, and not every corporate hospital is going to be right for you. And that's okay. Um, explore your options, find a company that has similar values to you and don't settle for anything less. Speak up if something doesn't feel right. Um, if they don't hear your concerns or take your feedback into consideration, there are dozens of other corporate mergers popping up that will. You're not stuck. Your work and your opinion matters. Stay true to yourself. Demand is really high right now, so you will be valued somewhere. Um, sometimes you just really have to take the leap and find the right thing. Yeah, and and I've 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 been through it, and you know, I I want to say it probably led to my burnout with with that just because of the 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 situation that I was in and and not feeling not feeling heard, not feeling. Uh, I don't want to say not respected, but not, not feeling like my opinion mattered. Um, and like Jeff said, VCA was the first one that came into where I was up in New Hampshire. Uh, VCA bought a hospital and everyone said, Ooh, that's, that's kind of crazy. And now going through having, having been through it, I, 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 I do see the, the frustration and it, it's, it's not a bad thing right? It's, it, it's a, it's a change. And I've, I've said before, change is not a, a good thing. Change is not a bad thing. Change just is, and we have to figure out how to deal with it. And I think a lot of times that the people that are frustrated with the corporate takeovers are, I don't want to say they're set in their, set in their ways, but they don't, they don't, they don't want to deal with the change. And I, I, I think if we can make that better for, for people going through that, that corporate um, merger, I, I, I think that's going to make things a lot easier. But again, I, I think it takes people that are at the ground level, like where, where you're at, to to make that transition a little bit easier. Absolutely. I do always tell my teams to, uh, it's never me versus you. It's me and you versus the problem. And right. I think being able to say that to them just really pulls them out of that, like us versus corporate. No, yeah. it's us in corporate versus what our problem is right Excellent. now. Excellent. Yeah, for sure. And you know, by by nature, veterinary technicians, we we are nothing if we're if not adaptable or malleable and can change to whatever that day brings us or, you know, whatever happens with the surgery schedule or the appointment schedule or emergencies or whatever. I mean, we are like a a, a very capable and adaptive group we just have to sometimes i think shift our mindsets and be adaptable to this kind of thing to to this kind of change as well well especially us in in those of us that work in emergency medicine we're, we're we thrive on not having a plan <laughs> <laughs> yeah. right yep. like maybe that's maybe that's the problem dave is that is that corporate has a plan oh <laughs> and, okay and, and and we're just not used to that we're not kind used of structure to <laughs> Uh, that's entirely possible. Uh, why don't we take our little break here and uh, we'll pay some bills and we'll be back after the break. The Vet Tech Cafe is sponsored by BetterHelp. Caffeinators at the Vet Tech Cafe, you know we like to focus on mental health. If you're struggling with depression, 
burnout, compassion fatigue, or any of the other mental health challenges we discuss on our podcast, getting professional help is a great first step. We all need help with things like learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries, which empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major mental health challenges. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. Dave, I've used BetterHelp. Um, I had really good success with it. I really liked that it was entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. You can also switch therapists at any time for no additional cost. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your therapist, and you'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions. They really make it easy for you to get the help you need. Discover your potential with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash VetTechCafe today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash VetTechCafe. It's time to invest in yourself. Be well, caffeinators. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Vet Tech Cafe, the cafe that never closes, even when there's a power outage. Uh, we are still open. We've um, got lots of generators. <laughs> well, I mean, we can we can make coffee with a French press, right? We don't. Yes, we don't, yes, we don't yes. need. There you go. We don't need technology. Go. <laughs> uh, so, T, we just had our ad for BetterHelp, and we always like to ask our guests after that break, um, how do you manage your own mental health? Are, are there other struggles that you've been through, um, and how do you how do you manage that in the day to day? Oh, yes, absolutely. Uh, this one can be so tough, especially for our industry. And it really is taking advantage of the benefits that you have available to you, taking your days off. And, you know, they're given to you for a reason. Utilize your PTO, rely on your support system. You know, these BetterHelp and other programs are, are really great to get involved in. So just make sure that you know what benefits are available to you through your work and even your own health insurance um, and, and utilize them for sure. It, it can be really, really difficult, but I, I tend to really rely on my own support system and, and reach out for help when I, when I need it. Yeah, I think that's super important to like to have to have that support system have either either just a, a coworker that you you rely on or friends at home or family um having having that support system i think is super helpful i, I think a lot of times that people that are going through mental health struggles uh, often are trying to do it alone and uh it's just it's it's not it's not healthy to do it that way you, you yeah. need you need help i think sometimes yeah yeah and you you mentioned an, an excellent point in there too about using your PTO and like the the resources available to you and and from the you know we're talking about corporate merging here um you know if you're going from a sole proprietor or a couple of veterinarian practice and and it's becoming corporate chances are the resources available to you and mm. like the, as far as benefits go are probably going to go through the roof. I mean, in terms of like either, you know, EAP access, different, you know, and like an actual PTO schedule, not just you just request a day off and have to get your shift covered or like use all of that to your advantage. Um, I, th I think that's that's huge. And I think that's like... I think for so long, we as veterinary, veterinary technicians and, and support staff, like benefits, we've kind of had them. Maybe we have health insurance or what have you, but we don't have, we've, we've not had structured benefits really for a lot of our careers. And then when corporate comes in and they have this structured plan, we, we don't know how to use it. And mm. I think that's a really, really important point. Like, oh, I have these days off. I can actually just take them. <laughs> like, like, you know, it, it's, it's something that I think gets, gets lost in translation, but it's so important to, to utilize that stuff. Yeah. And it can be hard to not feel guilty too. I know yeah, that's yeah. a huge thing, especially in, you know, you're, we're talking about emergency medicine or even GP, like things get so busy throughout the day. And, you know, you really worry about putting that extra strain on your team members. Um, but I find if you're if you're really feeling it, take your day. You're gonna come in tomorrow feeling so much better and not putting it off. It just it's gonna set you and your team up to be in a better space. For sure. Yeah, and it's for me, it's it's that guilt of of knowing that oh, I'm uh, I'm heavily relied on when I'm there, and me not being there is gonna be a big strain on the team. And uh, I, I feel like that's that's a, a hard hurdle for a lot of us to get over 
is that dedication to your team to say, I, I, I shouldn't be there today. And I, I used to say that, you know, before before COVID happened, I, I, I was one of those people where if I got to work and you told me I, I shouldn't be there and I should go home and I said, okay, there, there's a good chance I probably shouldn't have driven into work, let alone be at work. Um, so I, I feel like a lot of times that that is something that we have to get over and ha- and and kind of put yourself first in the, in that situation and yeah. understanding that yes you're dedicated to your team however you need to be more dedicated to yourself yeah. and your team yeah play the long <laughs> game a little bit you don't have to yeah. be dedicated to your team today like right. you taking care of yourself today is going to be better for your team three four oh, five yeah. days from yeah. now yeah because yeah, you're not going to get them all sick yeah right. <laughs> well yeah, there, there's that too now yeah um, so Tia, to, to kind of get back into our, our conversation about um, corporate merging and things like that. So thinking about my time uh, when I went through a, a, a merger, um, does an employee going through that merger, do they have any kind of negotiating power or leverage? Um, I know we can we can go down the whole union path like 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 we would with Liz Houston. But is <laughs> is there a way that um, employees have any kind of like say in what happens? Absolutely. Um, They may not always take your needs seriously, but it never hurts to try. Um, If anything, I think it's going to show your corporation that you're serious about your career development. Um, If the company is unwilling to work with you on your needs, find someone who is willing to advocate for you, whether that's Mm. a veterinarian or a medical director, um, even someone in the corporate office who's come in that you kind of feel comfortable around. Um, it can be really scary transition and, um, you know, you deserve to know what the terms of your new contract will look like before you sign anything or before you come on. You deserve to know what your future will hold at that company. Um, it may not always work and they may not give you everything that you want, but it should always be on the table so they understand where you're going. So what are some of the, like, going through this process, uh, whether it be from the corporate side or from the, uh, you know, veterinary staff side of the existing hospital as it was, um, like what are some of the pitfalls to the process? Like do I, cause I imagine there's things that just always come up. Nothing ever goes according to plan. So there's always probably hiccups or, or little things we have to adapt to or adjust to. So what are some of the, the more common pitfalls that you've seen maybe from the, the support staff side and, and how do we navigate that? And are there any pointers you would give to our listeners that, that might be going through this at this point or experiencing some of these pitfalls? Oh, yeah. Like you said, there's always something. I mean, we, we work <laughs> in vet med, so there's never a, an easy, straight-going day anyway. Um, so always expect that also out of your corporate merging. Um, there's going to be a lot of change, and it's going to feel like it's coming really quickly. I've seen this with many of the hospitals that I've worked with through their acquisition period. It can be really easy to just gossip with your friends or talk behind closed doors, um, but feel free and empowered to speak up. Um, ask the questions that you have and don't be afraid to be the squeaky wheel. Also, embrace the change. It's going to be a really long process if you fight it every step of the way. Get involved and see if you can be an ambassador for change. That allows you to be involved with the planning and see firsthand what corporate has in mind for your location. Secondhand information is absolutely clouded when it's delivered to you. Um, So if you're uncertain about something, just ask. Yeah, and I think being clear and concise with the communication that, and, and this goes for all levels of this of the process, is to make sure that those things are very clear and and understood. Because, like you said, that that game of telephone is, yeah, is 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 so detrimental to to this whole entire process of like, well, I heard this or I heard that, and did you hear about this thing? And it's yeah. it, it becomes such a a hornet's nest of negativity um, when when rumors come out and things that are not actually fact um, are, are are said. I, I feel like that's that's one of the biggest problems that I that I saw when I was going through that is that is the lack of reliable information. I guess for lack of a better term, um, to to make sure that that the information that's being passed around is factual and um, accurate. <laughs> Absolutely. And on top of that, I mean, 
these are probably, you know, your veterinarians who have owned this practice for years or even generations. So it's going to be really hard for them to share a lot of that information with you. And I know it can seem like they're withholding or they're not telling you the right things. But again, you know, you got to think about it like this is their baby. This is something that they've grown yeah. around up. So yeah. you know, be willing to to go straight to them or straight to your, this new corporate entity that's taking you on and you know, tell them, tell them how you're feeling and try to get as much information that's going to help you feel comfortable as possible. Yeah. And also just thinking about the, the, all sides of it, like, like, yes, we we're going to see, oh, my, my PTO is going to change or my health insurance is going to change. All that is relevant to us, but being able to see every side of this thing, like, like you said, that, that single practice owner that is now in their late fifties or early sixties that has put their life's work and blood, sweat and tears into this practice. Um, it's not something that it's not something that they're like, Oh, they offered me this money. So I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to sell out and, and be done with this for, for the, the practice owners that are selling their business. This has been a, a, a long, probably years long decision for them. And weighing pros and cons and in doing all that stuff. So it's not just a, a willy nilly money grab that, that these practice owners are doing. It's, it's more of a, I need to take care of me and I need to uh, make this decision based on all of the years of experience. Like corporate, corporate mergers don't happen with somebody that's had a, a owned a hospital for like two, three years. And then they're like, okay, I'm going to move on to the next thing. It, it's, it's usually a, a lifelong, um, a lifelong endeavor to, to build this practice up and, and do that, those things. So I, I think being able to understand all sides of, of the whys these things are happening. And uh, for the most part, I, I would think that practice owners are taking into account the, the employees that they have and, and how that's going to affect them. Yeah, absolutely. I, I try to lead with empathy in that regard. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Each, you know, each hospital is going to be different and they're going to feel differently about, um, you know, the, the big change coming. But, you know, we hope that these veterinarians and practice owners are really trying to keep your best interest in mind. And like you said, and, you know, sometimes they've got to move on and do what's best for them. And it can yeah. feel like they're not taking you into consideration. Right. right. For sure. And, and Tia, I don't know if there's any data out there that, that you would have on this, but, and I've mentioned this a couple of times on the show previously, my wife is a 2018 graduate from vet school and I got to know most of the people in her class pretty well. Um, not everybody, but, but most everybody, most everybody out of that hundred or so students, there was one person that I knew of that it was her goal to own a hospital. Nobody else wanted anything to do with practice ownership, at least at that time while they were in school. So truly, like, what other succession plan is there? Like, if they don't sell to corporate as they're kind of advancing in their careers, like, otherwise, what, the practice just closes? Like, there's nobody else buying these, these practices. So... Um, I'm just curious if, if you have any information on that. Like, hey, obviously, corporate um, merging or acquisition is is one facet, but I I just don't see for those veterinarians like Dave's describing. Like, there's not a whole lot of other options. Absolutely, yeah, and I mean, you're not wrong. This unfortunately, uh, corporate merging has put these really powerful entities in control of what our hospitals are looking like and growing into. So. If you're, you know, ownership of a chain of hospitals or even your own just one hospital, it's going to be really hard to, you know, create that succession plan without moving towards, okay, well, we can now see telemedicine, I'm going to work from home or, um, you know, it, it really is limited unless you're looking to grow into that corporate role and maybe you want to take on operations director or maybe you want to go towards, um, you know, creating medical strategies and SOPs. So. It's definitely really hard. And I think corporate merging has put a huge strain on the succession plan of veterinarians. Um, there, there's not a lot of great options or opportunity for them to grow without either leaving the practice and, and going towards something, you know, speaking or writing. There's tons of, um, you know, great, great opportunities for writing articles and things like that just to get this information out there. 
but without leaving the practice, um, you know, there's there's not a whole lot that um, we're we're seeing outside of corporate merging. Gotcha. And and you mentioned in there as well in, in a previous response, the kind of embracing the change, like it's 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 happening whether you, you wanted to or not. But I'm curious, how long does something like this take usually take? Like the the length of time from like our hospital has been sold until it is now signed, sealed and delivered operating as a blue pearl or a thrive or like how long does that process usually take? Yeah, it's usually anywhere from about like four to eight weeks. And it all really depends on when the owner signs that contract with the corporate merger. Now they have to share the information with the team. They're going to start to get the information out there. Um, Depending on, on which corporate merger you are, a lot of them like to keep the autonomy of the hospital. So not a lot, like your signage won't change. Anything like that isn't going to change, but it's really, it takes time to get those benefits packages set up, making sure that the employees are being paid appropriately compared to what they've been on before. Um, So it's really a lot of that aspect of just coming up with the right plan for this hospital. Um, And sometimes even signing that paperwork for the the owner is going to take a little bit of time. So Usually I see around the, the four to eight week period before things are really changing. Um, and unfortunately, on, on the support staff side, it, it's going to come a lot quicker because they're really only finding out about it, you know, three or four weeks into that change already happening. Mm. Uh, I'm, I'm curious. I'm surprised we haven't actually talked about this yet. Um, I, I'm assuming that we're talking to you because you've been through this process, right? You, you've I been have. through a, a merger. Um, so can you talk a little bit about what went right? Uh, what could you have done better? I'm, I'm going back into my recover instructor training and debriefing. Um, <laughs> what what went well for you guys, and or, or did it go well? Maybe, maybe it didn't go well. And and what would you do differently? Yeah, for sure. Um, I think, of course, it. And I've I've been through multiple, and I've been on both sides of the team. So. Again, I worked at a uh, corporate facility, um, like on the, on the corporate side of acquisition team. And then I've also worked in hospitals who have been acquired. Um, and really, truly, it just comes down to that communication piece. It really starts there. There's not great communication about what's going on, or even there's rumors going around that they're thinking the owners is feeling like selling soon, but there's no deep conversation about what that's going to look like for them, even who they're interested in selling to. I think if they can have a plan in place and to show their staff members, hey, this is what we're thinking about doing. Um, these are the options that I have and what it would look like to go with each. Change is necessary for our industry to grow. Um, you know, so it is important to be able to embrace that, but it comes with a lot of really deep communication and it can be hard to have those difficult conversations, especially with your team members who have worked for you for, you know, 10, 20, 30 years. So, um, you know, just have being willing to have those difficult conversations and having it as soon as possible early on um, is just, is, is one of the best ways that I could see it going better than it has gone for me on, on both ends, corporate end and in hospital, just, you know, having that really good line of open communication and talking about it before the change happens always works out for for the better. And, and I guess the other thing that I, that I often wonder is who starts that conversation? Do the corporations contact privately owned practices or do the privately owned practices contact uh, corporations? Both. It definitely goes both okay. ways. I know um, they have like acquisitions team members who will go out and they'll be at conferences or they'll be at, you know, other places and giving out information to these practice owners just about like, hey, this is what we have to offer. If you do decide to sell to us, and sometimes, like you said, it's that owner who has just been through their entire career owning this hospital and they're just ready to move on to something else. So they're also reaching out to these companies and and trying to figure out what their best option is to sell. So it does go both ways. Okay. You know, one thing I I always think about and thinking back to, um, I think, Dave, the first time we talked about, you know, corporate ownership on this podcast, I I had these rose-colored glasses that with a bigger um, 
you know, such a huge pool to draw from, you know, perhaps better pay, better benefits, those kinds of things. And then what we were seeing traditionally, and, and again, the, the sole proprietor kind of hospitals. Tia, I'm just curious, like, does does it ever go the other way? Or like, are you aware of instances where like, unfortunately, like, not that not that benefits or pay or are cut, but like what you what would normally be offered for that hospital under, you know, a corporate umbrella is actually less than what the employees mm. were already getting, either in, in terms of pay or uh, percentage of health insurance that's covered, those sorts of things. Like, is it ever a scenario where when a corporation comes in, like, they're going to offer less in some ways than what the employee was already getting? Yes, I yes, absolutely. And I have seen that unfortunately where we were, you know, looking to sign with a, um, an owner and they had already signed off and made that change and then realized, hey, you guys are gonna have less PTO or days off that you have had previously. Your pay is going to be less, your health insurance is going to cost more. Um, and those are always those situations where it is really, really tough. But at the end of the day, like you have to make the right decision for you. Yeah. And sometimes it really does mean moving on from that hospital. Um, if, if your benefits are going to look differently and it's not something that you can work around. Again, there's dozens of corporate mergers or even privately owned hospitals who are going to see your value and give you what you deserve and what you need in order to you know survive out there. Hmm. And I, I think that's probably not the norm, right? That's that's probably yeah, like an. I, I would outlier. imagine that. Yeah. yeah. Yes, I've only seen it once um, in in my career of of doing those acquisitions, but it was really really difficult for the team, and it was bet, hard for yeah. us on the corporate end to even watch that happen to them, knowing that like this this you're going to lose people was already signed. <laughs> yep, absolutely, mm -hmm. and and we're going to struggle. And in that kind of scenario, would that selling practice owner have any? Again, I'll use the, the 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 word leverage, but like, would they be able to say like, my employees, this is what they get now, like, this is a deal breaker. Either they continue to get this, or and it or it doesn't happen. Like, is that ever a possibility that we're like, you know, because I would imagine a corporation, multiple hospitals, kind of like everybody is the same. Like, maybe it wouldn't look good for them to have an outlier on their books, like. What, is that ever a scenario that that would be a possibility, or is or is then like would a corporation side be like, well, this is the deal, take it or leave it kind of thing? It definitely depends. I think depending on the corporation itself. I mean, it really depends on on what your values are as well sure. as, as a corporation. So, I mean, if you're looking to just eat up hospitals and everyone has to be the same, then yeah, sometimes that happens, but. They do have the leverage. Um, legal teams on both sides are always involved when making up these contracts before they sign or sell anything. Um, so it's really important to put all of that out on the line before you make that decision. Once you sign and, and are, are contracted, it can be a little bit harder to push for those things. Sure. But I mean, as a corporation, if you're in it for the people and, and you want to make their lives easier, I mean, corporate merging really started from this idea that like we are going to help you run your business so you guys can focus on providing the best medicine possible to your patients and to your clients. So if that's truly what your values are as a corporation, like you will be willing to work with the team members who are going to make that happen for you. I'm not going to profess to, to have any type of legal knowledge whatsoever, <laughs> but I, I would imagine that once like you can, you can say that and say, Oh, I want my employees to make the same that they were making the benefits to be the same. But, I mean, after a while, the corporation is allowed to do what they're. I mean, they own it, right? They after it's sold, it, it, the the practice owner once they're out of the picture, it doesn't really matter what they want anymore, right? Is that correct? Am I making that up? <laughs> it can, be, yeah, it can be that way, unless like there is. Sometimes there are timelines on these contracts, so mm. within the first five to ten years, like they're not allowed to make any changes or anything like that. But again, it really does go down to like your legal team and what you have backed for you by the owner. Um, so it, it really depends on, on the contract terms. And you have to be really, really careful reading that fine print and what that looks like because they can slip things in there. Like, you know, once you've signed off to us, we're liable to make the decisions that are going to be best for the team. 
Um, but there, you can put time frames in those contracts that like you have to protect your employees for a certain amount of time beyond that. Well, welcome to the Vet Tech Cafe, the uh, legal. <laughs> yes, yes, the legal, legal hotline. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, we're getting down close to the uh, the end of our hour here, Tia. Um, I, I just want to ask, like, I, I know we've kind of covered a lot of ground here, but is there anything we didn't ask you or didn't discuss that, about any of this that you want to get out to our listeners? More so, I just I really want to reiterate, try not to worry. Keep in mind just how valuable you are to the industry, whether you're a front desk member, a kennel assistant, all the way up to VTS. Your position is vital for the success of this industry, and you play a very important role in the delivery of healthcare to pets and patients nationwide. Get involved, speak up, find corporations that share your values, and show you that you're a valued member of the team. I think that's going to be the most important thing you can do going forward is just keep in mind how valuable you are to this industry, and someone will find you just as valuable as you are. Yeah, absolutely. Get involved and and push for communication. Yeah, you know you you want to be valued. You know you are valuable. Show them why. Explain to them why. Like, don't be afraid to advocate for yourself. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And if they won't, find somebody who will. Absolutely. Uh, well, and and the other thing is, you know, this is we're entering into our gosh. F- Fifth year? Yeah, we're going to be starting. We're fifth finishing year our next fourth year, year yeah. and 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 starting our fifth year. It, it's surprising to me that we have not talked to somebody about this extensively. Yeah, yeah. Um, be, because it it is that this is our in- industry yeah. right now. There, there's yeah. there's so much of this that's going on every day, all the time. Um, so I'm I'm curious to you: is there a topic or uh, another person that you think that we should interview in the next episode of the Vet Tech Cafe. Yeah, absolutely. I would love to hear how maybe others are handling the rise in need for specialty services. Um, mm. Out here in Boston, we are having just the hardest time with wait times and, you know, getting in to see specialists. So if there's anything we can do to help on, I, I work in urgent care currently, but urgent care or GP or anything that we can do that's going to help alleviate some of that stress that these specialty practices are going through i'd be super interested to hear you know what we can do on our end yeah that's great interesting all right tia now you are down to your would you rather question are you ready for it oh i'm ready okay pick option one two or three i'm not going to give you the options just the numbers (laughs) (laughs) Mm, i'm going with three number three okay I like this question. Yeah. Would you rather be a highly competent supervillain or an utterly incompetent superhero? Ooh, oh my gosh, <laughs> this is great. Um, you could yeah. be Dr. Evil. <laughs> right. right. Um, I'm going incompetent superhero because I think there's always room for growth and that gives me the opportunity. You know, I'm still doing the right thing, but. A long way to go. I feel like that's where I started in in my career, so I can really relate to that. <laughs> I like it. I like yeah, that I a lot. Like I, I, I think about. Um, I'm going to age myself here. The uh, what was his name? The greatest American hero to get. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? Um, mm-hmm. The guy who who could fly, but he could not fly very well. Yeah, <laughs> and he would always crash into stuff. Oh, that was such a good show. Yeah, it was. Um, I, I think I'd probably I'd probably do the same. I'd probably be because I'm pretty much an incompetent superhero now, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, that's all of us, right? <laughs> yeah. I feel that well, we are veterinary technicians and incompetent superheroes. Yes, <laughs> that's my that's my imposter syndrome uh, yeah, creeping yeah. out. <laughs> yeah. Well, Tia, thank you so much for taking some time out to talk to us about all of this. We really appreciate you reaching out and bringing this yeah. idea to us because, um, as Dave just alluded to, it's 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 the landscape of veterinary medicine right now. Mm-hmm. And, and um, so everybody probably has been through it, is going through it, or will go through it at some point. So it's really good to hear from, you know, more of the kind of operation side you know, what to look out for, what to do if you're going through that. So thank you so much for, for talking to us about this today. It's um, really, really cool conversation. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for having me. I loved it. Good, 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 good. All right. Well, caffeinators, you guys take care and we will talk to you from the Vet Tech Cafe again soon. Bye guys. 
Hello, caffeinators. We wanted to thank Dog Days Consulting for managing our social media and helping with the interior design here at the Vet Tech Cafe. They don't just do social media. They can help you identify your brand through brand coaching. The founder is a CVPM with 15 years experience in veterinary practice management. They are a small business proudly serving the veterinary community, and we are thrilled to be working with them. Check them out at www.dogdaysconsulting.com. Hey, caffeinators. We would like to thank you for listening to the Vet Tech Cafe podcast today. As everybody is well aware by now, we often talk about difficult issues that face our profession. In addition, we chat with colleagues and leaders in our field who have strong opinions of these issues. Those opinions expressed by either Dave or Jeff as the hosts, or those opinions expressed by our guests, are their opinions alone and do not represent any other person, business, institution, or any other entity inside or outside of the scope of veterinary medicine. If you have any questions relating to this, please email us at vettechcafe at gmail.com or visit our website www.vettechcafe.com. Lastly, whatever platform you utilize to hear our dulcet tones, please rate and review our podcast and like and follow our Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn pages as well to see what we're up to. From all of us at the Vet Tech Cafe, have yourself a great day.